888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with Kirsten Cable, who started her blog Fluent Language in 2012 when started up as an online language tutor. Over the past four years, her blog has grown to incorporate several online courses, a podcast, two ebooks, and a coaching practice for experts who want to teach online. She is passionate about improving the online learning landscape and helping you choose the right way to build more freedom by teaching what you know to others. I brought her on here to talk about how to build your blogging business by teaching. Everything I do online today is the result of teaching. I've seen many benefits of doing this over the years, and I thought I'd get her on here to you know, just give a different perspective. So teaching online, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Kirsten, how are you doing? Hey, Leslie, I'm I'm doing just fine, just fine. I'm coming out of the, you know, I'm coming out of that stage of when you've got a cold and you're feeling <laughs> under the weather, and then it's the first day where you don't have the cold so badly anymore, and you're like, I am Superwoman. <laughs> so I feel like that. <laughs> well, I am. I've never had Superwoman on this podcast, so this is the first time, and I am just excited about that. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll, I'll be happy to meet her when she comes on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For those of you listening, this is episode number 259. And you can find all the show notes and anything that's mentioned here at becomeablogger.com slash 259. And I'm excited to get into today's topic. So, Kirsten, is it Kirsten or Kirsten? How am I, how, how am I supposed to say that? Oh, uh, funny, funny you should ask that, especially to a language blogger. Um, <laughs> I'm originally from Germany, and in Germany you would say it Kerstin. Mm. But I've lived in the UK since 2003, and in the UK everybody reads it as Kirsten, so I say Kirsten because that's what I've become used to as well. All right, that sounds good to me. So you started your blog in 2012, right? Correct. Yes, what, I did. What were you doing before, let, let, before even the blog came into your mind? What were you doing at that time? I had, um, I was working at a university Ooh, nice. in what, yeah, in, well, I wasn't teaching. I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't have a PhD. Okay. Um, just a failed PhD person, I guess. <laughs> but I did, well, what happened was I did my, I came to the UK to study modern languages I graduated, then I went into a master's in translation studies, okay. thought I'm going to be a freelance translator, I'm going to be, you know, like messing around with the intrinsics of language. I really like doing that kind of thing. Language is extremely fascinating to me and I like foreign languages a lot and um, found very quickly that translation is actually a very introverted job and I'm not a very introverted <laughs> person so what on earth was I doing um and I I just went for various different jobs and then got a job in what's 
known in the USA as international admissions and in the UK as international recruitment, which means you promote a university to students coming from abroad and you kind of help them through, talk them through the admissions process. And that job was great for me. It was really wonderful because there was a lot of tra travel involved. Okay. So I've, I've been to places that you wouldn't go as a tourist, especially. Um, I mean, you should, but, you know, if you've got like Kazakhstan or Hawaii in your budget and you can afford only one of them, who goes to Kazakhstan, right? <laughs> well, I went to Kazakhstan with work. <laughs> what, what are some so, other places that you went while you were doing this? Uh, Russia, India, pretty much all of Europe. I am from the heart of Europe, yeah. the center of Europe. So I do love European countries, but there was it was very intense at times. So you, you can imagine you would do um, a week's trip, and in that week you'd visit five countries nice. and but sort of really go in-out exhibition, in-out exhibition. So there's a lot of work involved, but you know to be able to meet and in a different way people from different countries yeah. and connect with them – uh, just amazing. So I'm, just, I'm just curious, what part of Germany? I, I spent uh, seven months in Germany when I was doing my master's. What part of Germany are you from? I'm from the Moselle Valley. Moselle Valley? It, yes, the Moselle is a river. Oh, okay. It's um, the easy, well, when people ask me what my nearest city is, I tend to say Luxembourg, okay. which is actually a different country. <laughs> <laughs> it's a winemaking area. So if you know wine, that is the place. Some of the world's greatest wines come from there. Nice, nice. Okay, cool. So you moved to the UK. You were doing, what, what did you say you were doing a master's in? Translation studies. Translation studies. Wasn't, it just wasn't you. <laughs> so you decided to get into this um, international admissions and you enjoyed it. You were traveling, you were meeting people, interacting. It's much more, that's not an introverted thing to do. <laughs> so so no, I'm, I'm assuming no. you were just having a lot of fun with that. I was having a blast. If you imagine this, some days you would be in in exhibitions for eight hours and there's just an onslaught of people. Uh -huh. And I remember exhibitions where you, you've got your little stand and the queue was so big and I was on my own that in the end and everybody wanted MBA, MBA, um, that it was just me standing on a chair and just shouting at them, basically going, <laughs> okay, these are our entry requirements. This is a good MBA. Go away now. <laughs> But it's no, I'm a people person, so that was great for me. It was really fun. Okay, so how long were you doing that job? I did that job at two different with two different employers for a total of about five and a half years. And then kind of, you know, like when you have a great time, sort of like party was over, there was too much work. My workplace for various reasons turned toxic. And the downsides of working somewhere that is um quite institutionalized, hierarchical, and kind of a workplace where, you know, you've got a boss and you've got that boss changed and the new boss was a bit of a control freak. And at the same time, mm -hmm. my workload was mounting to an extent where I was unable, I was basically doing the travel job, but had another side responsibility, which was expanding and expanding and expanding. Um, and it just kind of, I, I kind of got hit and I did that thing that happens to many people and I'm, I'm sure it'll resonate with people, at least I hope so. Um, I got what what you might almost call a burnout, which oh, is yeah. a ridiculous thing at 29 years of age. Um, and I got depression and I just soldiered on because I didn't know how to not do anything else. You know, I've, I've grown up in a farming, winemaking family 
um, you get taught to work hard. So, you know, you, you kind of work hard and yeah. then you work hard and then you work hard. Um, and ultimately I kind of came out of that, uh, because I had to, I kind of came, came to the point, sort of point of no return, had to take some time off sick, uh, found that I was practically scared to go back to work. I, you know, even though I loved that job, it was just one of those points in your life where you almost have to redefine what's around you. And that was sort of the start of Fluent so, with me looking around going, what can I do? So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, were you actually sick, like physically sick at that time when you took that time off? Well, depression is a Got it. is is as such a physical sickness because it does change your brain chemistry. So most certainly I would say, yeah. Definitely. Okay, so you're going through this really tough time. How do you go from there to eh, fluentlanguage.co.uk? <laughs> like, what what uh, happened? What I mean, did you know about blogging at the time? Well, I had a live journal. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I sort of knew about the... I had no clue about online business. I had, obviously, marketing knowledge because my job was a marketing job. So I understood campaigns. I understood how things work on an institutional, like the bigger level. Um, I didn't have a teaching qualification, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of my main worry. It's like, oh, my God, who's going who's gonna to let me teach them German when I haven't got a qualification? I don't know. Um, and... I don't, it was, it was a case of over the course of six months. So this is a slow development from, you know, you don't, you're not too sick to go to your job that you love one day. And then the next day you've got your online business. Yeah. Bang. Um, I kind of, I started going to the library. That was kind of what, you know, like I, I was sitting at home, had nothing, basically nothing to do. And I was like, what am I going to do? Um, Looked around and my city has got a nice little library. So I went to the library and looked at different books and really, to be honest, looked at if I don't want this job anymore, where on earth am I going to get a job from? And I was looking for books like this, you know, the parachute book, what's what's the color of your parachute um, and sort of careers advice. And from that came, there is the opportunity to start your own business perhaps or to you know, just, just, I basically was looking for a way of extending the buffer until I figure out what it is that I want or what it is that I'm, I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. Um, and I looked around and I thought, okay, I'm going to do, maybe I'll do some German lessons. Give it a go. Do some, you know, do some German lesson. I know I obviously know German. I love language. Um, if it's one-to-one, then I don't think a teaching qualification will matter too much because I, I obviously am highly qualified in languages and I know how they work and I don't, I, I, okay. In the previous 10 years, five years of living in the UK, inside of me, a lot of sort of frustration had built up and this is where the blog started, Leslie. Um, and all that frustration was reactions to when people say things like, Oh, you speak three languages. Oh, you speak four languages. I haven't got the brain for that. I'm too old for that. Oh, it's only children that learn well. And all this, you know what I mean? All these lines that people give you. Why Why not? Why not to bother? It just it just all kind of stuck in my mind. And, and oh, grammar is so hard. And oh, German is such a hard language. And there's a thousand things that people tell themselves about language learning. And... I knew that they aren't true because I 
had seen in my life. I, I can tell that they're not true. And I know I'm not a genius any more than anybody else is. Um, so when I set up, I, I sort of thought, okay, I'll make some flyers for German learning. And I put sort of Rudi Völler on it. You don't know who that is, right? He, no, I don't. Um, when Germany won the World Cup before 2016, in 1990, Germany won the Football World Cup, and we're a nation of people who love football, soccer. Um, that he was one of the more um, prominent, sort of him and Klinsmann and stuff. And in England, uh, Germany has got a reputation. You know, when you talk, when people talk um, about German football, there's kind of it's. You know, there's kind of a running rivalry and we're, we're so obviously better than them and yeah. stuff like that. Uh-huh. So there's me. I was like, okay, I'll make a flyer and I'll just put a German football player on it and sort of a, you know, like a chesty beer lady and stuff <laughs> like that. And I really went about it with a sense of humor um, and and then built a little website. And my husband or oh, boyfriend at the time said to me, you should, um, you should do a blog because then the search engines are going to find you more. And I'm like, okay a blog, right? I know what a blog is because of Life Journal. Uh-huh. And oh wow, now I've got a space for all those language rants inside me to come out. So I kind of started off with exactly the 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 passion that that surprisingly I still haven't run out of topics. So that was really I started out with Okay, I'm gonna write an article about why you're not too old. And I'm gonna write an article about why you're not too stupid and rah 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 and rah rah rah. And that's what, how I started off, which is basically going, okay, here's all the stuff that obviously you're all wrong about language learning. It's a bit like, um, it's a bit like you know, really getting your soapbox out and mm-hmm. kind of standing on it and going, right, guys, listen, I'm going to tell you how the world works. Um, and it was more like a little sense of fun. Um, and as time went on, I just never ran out of topics. So what sounds interesting about this to me is, is, you know, when you think about, okay, I'm going to start a tutoring service. Uh, You Mm -hmm. probably put up a flyer at a university or something of that sort with information about the tutoring and how much it costs and so on. But instead, you put up a football player and uh, these other things that made that added personality to it. And when you started the blog about language learning, you didn't start I mean, from what you're saying right now, it wasn't as much about, okay, how to translate this from that or or these are the top verbs that you need to learn. It was why you're not too old or why you're not too stupid. This all sounds like personality. And, and, and that stands out to me as something that we need to think when we are starting our blogs in terms of not just what information do people need to learn, but how can I make mm-hmm. it a little different and how can I make it a little fun? I mean, was that something that you've always been thinking since you started that blog? Hmm. This is amazing because I've never put one and one together and I'm literally having a revelation here going, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> because what I do now is I work with online teachers. I work with people who build their... Um, the online courses who want to incorporate teaching into their online business, you know, people who want to build an online course, people who want to do one-to-one classes, etc. And one of my flagship programs and processes is what I call the Savvy Brand Academy, which is all about this. It's all about, okay, listen, we're gonna we're gonna get your personality, give your personality a chance to come out. But I'd never realized how much I have been doing this from day one. <laughs> so it, you are right. Um, 
case in point is that on my website, fluentlanguage.co.uk, you are not going to find, I've worked really hard on this, I think like twice, but it's a website all about language learning. And I have worked so hard. And from day one, from the photo shoot that we did, I was like, I don't want any flags on this. I know I'm teaching German. I do not want the goddamn German flag on this because everybody does that. And it's boring and it's just always the same, right? So, I mean, I will use, when I'm writing an article about French, I might use the French colors. And I've got one on the blog at the moment that's called Three Sweet Grammar Tricks for Learning French. So the the image is macaroons because that's kind of French. Um, But I try not to go to that sort of stock image of language that we've all seen a thousand times before. And I always tell people don't use stock images because they are boring as heck and people just overlook them. Um, so we went we went out to I live next to I live next to Lancaster Castle, which is a nice castle, obviously. Uh, and um, we just took pictures of my dictionaries and the books I have been using to learn languages for you know for years, forever. Um, to give it a bit of a different atmosphere. And it was really hard. It's not easy to bring your personality out. And in that sense, it was really hard to come up with something that says language learning and language teaching that wasn't a picture of some flags. So wait, 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 wait. Okay, you're saying that you actually tell people do not use stock photography. Oh, I I keep wanting to say jein. German has an expression that is a mixture of yes and no. Uh-huh. So ja and nein, and it's jein, <laughs> right? So jein. Um, what I really hate is when people have those stock photos of like a smiling anonymous model shaking the hand of somebody or that, you know, like the, the over-enthusiastic uh-huh. teacher meme and things like that. However, of course I use stock photography as well as much as everybody else in a blog image. But you can't use it to, people often want to make their website look professional, but kind of go over the top and end up with something that looks very anonymous. Mm. Sadly, I'm not a style blogger who has a lot of time and creativity in her to take beautiful images of, you know, things for every post. That'd be amazing, but that's not me. So I think this is going to be the quote for this episode, right? Uh, Don't worry about making it look so professional at the expense of looking anonymous. That right there is classic. I love it. I love it. Okay, It's it's very true as well, right? Yeah, it really is. Because yes, I mean, there's so many blogs out there on almost any topic, right? If you want to stand out from the crowd, you got to do something a bit unique. Your personality is one thing. The images that you use can be something else. I just love that. Okay, I want to talk about courses because this is something that you've gotten a lot into. Can you give us an idea of what kinds of courses you have available for your fluent language blog? Okay, so on Fluent, I actually started out not with a course, but I was teaching in the sense of I created, I wrote an ebook, um, like many people do when you sort of make your first product. It's okay. a bit less intimidating, perhaps. So I've got two books called the Vocab Cookbook and Fluency Made Achievable. And then after that, whoa, whoa, and then stop. I made. No, we can't move on from that yet. The, All right, okay. The okay. Vocab Cookbook. The Vocab Cookbook. Tell yes. me a little bit about that. <laughs> it's um it's the second the second little book that I wrote and it was um 
in language learning, there are many people out there, just like in online marketing, actually, and in business building, there are lots of people out there who will proclaim that they can solve all your problems, right? Um, and this is the same. This is true for, for language learning as well. And I really do not... I'm not very good with proposing a one-size-fits-all approach. I, I try to sort of see every angle of everything, and I'm, I like looking at things on a 360-degree basis. Um, so the Vocab Cookbook is a book that focuses on how to learn vocabulary, so how to acquire, organize, memorize all those words in a foreign language, because there are lots of words, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it does look at memorization techniques. It does list the ways that... I learn vocabulary in foreign languages and what works and advice that I've gotten. But I didn't want it to be sort of the ultimate guide, the only way you could possibly learn vocab. Instead, I wanted it to be, I wanted people to understand that this is a selection of tips and you kind of can choose your level, more or less. You can choose the tip that works for you and then you go and you try one. Um, and when I was looking for the name, I was describing what it's meant to do to my husband. He went, oh, it's like a cookbook. Uh, that's you what know, I was going to I was gonna ask you how you came up with that name. That's right. Yeah. Well, the first one, Fluency Made Achievable, that was my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, talked, she was like on the phone and we were sort of bouncing words around in German. And she, she came up with that. And I translated it to English. And I thought, oh, that sounds good. Let's, yeah, let's do yeah. that. Um, and the second one, yeah, that was because it's basically... It's more vocab recipes instead of the ultimate way of, you know, I don't know, boiling a potato or, or, you know, memorizing a word because there are different ways of doing it. And not all of us have the same, you know, habits. Not all of us have got the same preferences. Not all of us have got the same styles in our learning. And I think there should be space to allow for that. Okay, I love that. And once again, I want to point out again that it wasn't just a typical, you know, 10 steps to learning vocab or anything of that sort. It had some, that, that magic word, personality in there, the vocab cookbook. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, I love it. Okay, so uh, you started with these two ebooks. And then where yeah. did you go from there? Um, just as a side note on yeah. the personality, if I may, uh, it's super scary right it's super scary to put something out there oh, that yeah. isn't the ultimate way of learning vocab you just need to buy this book your life will be perfect never forget anything again that's i don't know there's a big ten temptation to do that there's a bit big temptation to kind of go ahead and just do that because that's sort of what many other people are doing and you kind of feel like it's you know you're a little bit more vulnerable with something called the vocab cookbook i suppose um because it is a little bit quirkier um, but yeah, when somebody then like you says, Hey, stop, what, the what, <laughs> it's all worth it. So after books, um, I had kind of been messing around and, oh, hilariously, very personality way. Um, I've been messing around with making little videos explaining French grammar. Um, cause that's fun, right? And it was called French on a windowsill and it started off as a YouTube series. Um, so there was me sitting on my windowsill, <laughs> filming myself with the camera on my MacBook, explaining French grammar, and then going into iMovie and editing it with, you know, with basically keynote slides that, that contain examples so people can read uh, at the same time that I'm saying things, etc. So it was kind of started out with me 
teaching myself iMovie, really. Um, and filming these little things. There's my cat jumping all over me. <laughs> so I kind of just incorporated her into the lesson. And I was like, okay, so Abigail wants to teach us something. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, um, so French on a window. I, I think like everything you say, we'll just have to dissect because that's it's, it's just so awesome. <laughs> so French on a windowsill. I mean, were you walking next to the windowsill and you sat down and you're like, oh wait, I have this great idea, French on a windowsill. Where did that come from? Well, it was next to a window, right? So there was natural light. Uh, <laughs> we just moved. We just moved into this house, um, and. The windowsills in this house are really nice because they've got sort of seats. You know, you can actually kind of chill out on mm. them. Um, so I just liked sitting there, I think. And it was somewhere that I could balance the computer. Um, <laughs> later on, you realize that, yeah, natural light, that's lovely. Except one side of your room doesn't light you at all. Uh -huh. So one side of the room is very dark. And it's, it's, you know, it is. I look at it now and I say, oh, it's really amateurish. But it is what became my course, Easy French Grammar for Beginners. And he, just this week from a new student, I got an email saying, I love the windowsill. It's, there's so much personality in it. So it is, you know, it's, it's kind of, you got to go with what you got. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, there was no like massive deliberation in that sense where I was like, I'm going to do it here. Whereas if I film, when I film myself now, um, I know where in my house the light is good. And I know where in my house the light comes from above and stuff like that. Um, one day I'm going to get myself a fancy lighting kit, but we've got a skylight, so it's mm -hmm. it's fine. You just you just have to do it at lunchtime when the when there's actually light. <laughs> and I live in Northern England, Leslie. Just you know, the the, the light is always very very gentle because because we never have anything but clouds in this uh -huh. in this country. <laughs> so you know you you learn as you go along, but I strongly strongly believe in um, a philosophy. With, with anything, you know, with any blogger, with any blog article, with any course that you're building. And this is kind of in my, in my coaching that I do with people as well, of kind of creating something and being productive, putting a little bit out there. And then it's like tinker, reiterate, tinker with it, reiterate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's really how it works. And then one day you'll have a website as slick as becomeablogger.com. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for that. Okay, so ebooks. You started with those. Then you went to the French on the wind. It's the French on the windowsill. Is that something you're still doing today? French on the windowsill became um, my first course that first lived on Udemy. Got um, it. So I was kind of at the time eyeing up Udemy, and I thought, mm, okay, this is what people are doing. Interesting, you know, because you, you. I was listening to like. Pat Flynn and those kind of podcasts mm -hmm. where it's like passive income and I'm yeah. like oh pass okay interesting tell me more um, and I stopped teaching French around the same time but I had all this this quality you know explanations of French grammar and I do believe that sometimes you do need practically like a tutor in your pocket that explains it to you yeah. so I wanted to put it out kind of to a bigger audience and I also wanted to try the the more course management software approach of Udemy, because at the moment it was like on it was on YouTube sitting there. And I thought, okay, I looked at my French textbooks. 
I looked at what is level A1. A1 is a is a language level, a kind of your foundational linguistic language level. Yeah. When you're learning a language, you kind of want to complete A1 first, and it's called the Common European Framework of Languages. But so most French for beginners books kind of lead up to this A1 level. And I looked at it all and I thought, okay, which grammar topics have I got? What do I need to add? Produced a few more videos to cover these kind of extra grammar topics. And I was like, okay. I've got an A1 curriculum here. This is an actual course. And then I put it on Udemy and I took advantage of the quizzes that their platform offers. I took advantage of kind of the extra functionalities. And that was the first time I felt like this is an actual course. I'm going to put, I'm going to put price on it. Um, oh, my God, someone's bought it. Oh, my God, people <laughs> buy this. Um, and, and that was kind of how it started. So I still have it. It's it's been renamed to Easy French Grammar for Beginners. Okay. Um, which arguably isn't quite as fun as French on a windowsill. Okay, so I, I want to talk. It says a, what it is. <laughs> yeah, I want I want to talk a little bit about the this whole Udemy concept because I've never done a course on Udemy. Um, so okay. so yeah. are there certain things that we need to be keeping in mind when we're thinking about launching a course? On, well, first of all, what is Udemy? Just in case someone doesn't know. Funnily enough, Udemy was actually going to be, and you didn't ask me, but I've been listening to your podcast, and you always ask people for their one tip, and there's me having prepared a tip, and you never asked. Uh, so <laughs> let's just pretend you've asked now. Oh wait, well, wait, 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 wait! Before we <laughs> before we do that, we're gonna go into our quick tip. All right, go ahead. <laughs> it's so quick, sort of twenty minutes into the show. I know. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> My quick tip <laughs> for today <laughs> is to pay is to pay attention to Udemy because they've just done something considering their marketplace pretty radical. Mm. Udemy have done a big thing to their pricing structure. So what Udemy is like at the moment is it's a course marketplace where as an instructor you're provided with what I think is really a decent level of support, a really nice sort of delivery software way of, you know, uploading your videos. The, the, your videos are hosted by them. They've got a player. They've got uh, mobile apps, you know, things like iPad app, iPhone app, etc. cetera. Um, and as a learner, you can also go there and you can just purchase um, online courses. The new thing that Udemy has done, so overall it's a place where you can create your first online course or your 10th, whatever, um, and sell it to people. And the platform already has, I think they've got millions of users. It's mm -hmm. really a large, large number. So you've got a ready-made audience of people who understand the benefits of doing an, an online video course. Yeah. What Udemy is like at the moment is that, say, you go into, let me have a look. Um, I'm going to go into a very, I'm looking at it now, very popular um, whatchamacallit, uh, category. Mm -hmm. So say you're looking at business and you go to home business, which is relevant for a lot of us people, right? Um, and you look in that area and you will have the promoted courses, the featured courses, the really good ones. The average price for a lot of these, a lot of these is like $300, $400, blah, blah, blah. They're expensive. Um, but what Udemy has been doing, and everybody, I guess, has kind of got wise to that, is they have been running sales. Um, they've got a big affiliate network, and they will very often run a sale where a course will come down to something like 
perhaps $30. So you'll only pay $29 and you feel, oh my God, I got this discount. Um, I don't know why you say, oh my God, in an American accent, but you do then. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, I've got this discount. Um, this is brilliant. So that has been their marketing strategy. But a lot of instructors and a lot of the students as well have been pretty dissatisfied with that model because it does create a a marketplace where no one really, you know, like the, the idea of value, the, the thought of what's this course actually worth and what is the actual price of this course. Um, it's just, it has become so wishy-washy that you don't really know what's going on anymore. So what Udemy have done is they've brought in what they're calling simplified pricing. So at the moment, I think this is a marketplace to watch, really to watch and kind of some interesting things are going to go on. Um, on the 2nd of April, they're changing their pricing where course prices, what previously might have been $300 or whatever, have to be between $20 and $50. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So there's seven tiers and it goes from 20 in sort of steps of $5 up to 50 And the highest discount that they're allowing now is for something to be reduced by half, a price to be reduced by half. Okay. So this is this is what's changing. Um, and what I found really interesting is when you log in, you've got an existing course in Udemy. They tell you what your course has been selling for on average. So, you know, because they want to say, okay, well, you, people have been on paying on average, say, $30 for your course. So we don't think you should, we don't think you should charge any more than this. Um, and I felt I found that extremely interesting to just look at it, you know, with all the coupons that have been flying around, etc. Just go in and look at, okay, what have my courses actually sold for? Because you would have seen, you might have seen three hundred dollar courses with a thousand students on them, um, and and made deductions about what that instructor has earned, and it just wasn't true. So you can't yeah. even look at successful instructors anymore. It just it just went a little bit too haywire, but the step that they have taken is most certainly extreme. But I don't think there's been a huge backlash. People are interested. People are curious about what's going to happen. And if you want, I can give you the a link to their blog article explaining a little bit more about what's going on. So that was kind of going to be my quick tip. Oh. Uh, well, no, that's <laughs> great. So, so To look at Udemy and just, it's more like a news event almost, but this is fascinating. And I'm curious to see what's going to go on. Definitely. So if I'm thinking about, Launching a course on Udemy, any things that I need to be taking into consideration besides this pricing aspect to it? Uh, there's plenty, yes. Well, Udemy do have some quality standards, so you've got to pay attention to meeting their quality standards. And that goes from having a video where people can hear you quite well, uh, can see you quite well, etc. Having, I think they, I won't be able to tell you off the top of my head, they ask for a certain percentage of video component. So you can't make a course, for example, that is all right writing. Um, you have to teach a video course. And they will look at things like, do you have a quiz in there? Do you have a good starting lecture, etc.? If you're using Udemy or if you're considering kind of using the Udemy market, uh, marketplace as a lead generator, you've got to be aware that you're not allowed to overtly share um anything that's like a landing page and specifically ask for an email address and that you will not have access to your students' email addresses as such. However, what you can do is you can send them educational announcements, um, for example, saying, hey, I've just written this blog article, come and check it out. And then they'll click and they're going to be on your site anyway. And I have found that 
building a relationship with my Udemy students, definitely not impossible just because I don't have their email address. Okay, so in terms of the functionality of the platform, you don't get their email addresses. You can't send them directly to uh, uh, like uh, uh, a landing page or anything of that sort. But in these announcements, Correct. you can provide more value that then directs them to other resources that you have. Yeah, definitely. You can, you know, you can host a webinar for them. Or um, what I've experienced with a lot of my Udemy tutors is um, that they'll come and join a Facebook group that I have for online teachers. So I've got a course on Udemy that is called Life Lesson Strategies for Online Teachers, focuses on one-to-one teaching and how to set up your business, do your terms and conditions and things like that. Um, And that course then has got a little note on the side of it saying, hey, we've got a Facebook group, and Udemy doesn't mind that at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, it's also about the sensitivity of the learners. I am also a student on various Udemy courses, and they aren't, you know, the, the quality has been kind of a little bit all over the shop, but you you do find, when you find a good one, you do want to find out more about that instructor, and they, they're allowed a link to their website in their profile, etc. It's not like you have to be completely anonymous. Okay, so uh, the courses that you have, um, do you provide them all on Udemy or do you use any other platforms? Not anymore. My journey went from uh, starting off in Udemy uh, and I first built the the course that is now called Easy French Grammar that is French on a windowsill, basically. So if you like watching French with a cat, I guess, that's <laughs> take that course. It's very good. <laughs> um, then I built the course for teachers and tutors and then I sort of thought okay I'll make a few German courses and I made speaking German like a native which is a pronunciation course and I made German grammar for beginners and speak German like a native was the first one where I thought and that was actually interestingly one of the reasons I didn't want to stay on Udemy was the fact that I was never going to be able to sell anything at full price Mm -hmm. because I because because of this discount culture Um, So you kind of, you know, things even out because you sell at a lower price to more people. Mm -hmm. However, eventually you kind of might want to just for for other reasons come away from that. For me, it was about I actually just want to put a price on it and be done now instead of all this kerfuffle. And so, So yeah, so how do you do it now? I went through a period of selling on Gumroad, which is a, a platform more suitable for delivering digital goods that kind of delivered in one fell swoop so my ebooks are on gumroad um and that's really neat i think it's really good and with german like a native i made all this effort i kind of wrote you know uploaded all the videos and i wrote a whole email sequence to drip feed them to people um in order to give people that kind of learning experience over several weeks and then i started playing around with this platform called teachable used to be called Mm -hmm. fedora Oh, and the reason I'm doing all this is because I'm not on WordPress. Um, So WordPress plugins for me are just not a thing right now. And then I went to Teachable, put the course on Teachable, kind of looked at it and I thought, this is really pretty. This is really pretty. But they have a monthly charge. Hmm. Umming and eyeing. Asked a few of my affiliates, a few of my reviewers, well, what do you guys think? You know, do you like do you like how it is on Gumroad? I think the emails are an extra service. I think they they really provide value. 
oh my God, the emails have been getting on my nerves. I can't keep up with them. I can't read all that many emails. Blah, blah, blah. Um, people really didn't like them and it was so much effort. And, it, you know, like don't assume ever. Um, but then they looked at the teachable system. We're like, oh my God, look at this. It's like a whole curriculum and I can see exactly where I am in the course. So really, I, I just went with the feedback that I got um, and moved over to Teachable, which is not a marketplace, not a pre-made marketplace. They don't sell your course for you as of now. Um, and instead, it's up to you to do the marketing. So it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of space. Okay, and, and just and just of experience. And just for people that are new to all these different platforms, what's the difference yeah. between like a teachable site and Gumroad? Gumroad is a hmm, um Gumroad is kind of like a hybrid. There's a little bit of a marketplace, but it still is kind of it's a place where you might sell they, they both basically deliver your digital product. You know, they take payment for you, they give you the money, they take a little cut, and then they deliver your product to people. Gumroad is not somewhere that has a whole uh, teaching management system, learning management system as a back end. So there's no curriculum. There's no kind of complete this lecture, move on to the next lecture. You can't track your progress and all that. What Gumroad does really well is just deliver the thing. You know, so if you've got an ebook or something like that, it's perfect. And and just to mention, this is what I use for selling my study guide on my biology blog. And the reason I use it is because it's just so easy. I upload mm-hmm. my my PDF, my ebook, and I don't even look at it anymore. It just gets sold, and they deal with the delivery and and the downloading of the product and all that stuff. I have to do absolutely nothing. So it's just a very easy platform. Yeah, and if you've experienced what I've experienced, you will find that I don't think I've ever gotten an email from anyone asking a customer service style question. Not one. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really they're very reliable, friendly company as well. They I've previously created a small product um, as part of what they were calling the small product challenge. I think it was. Yeah. Um, so you you create a small product in ten days. They. They are more suitable if you're perhaps a writer or somebody who sells, you know, they've got really creative products, things like Photoshop brushes and little templates for, I don't know, WordPress or something like that. And I've bought music on there and stuff like that. And like you, I really like Gumroad, but it wasn't the same experience, sadly, for delivering an online course. And I really tried to make it work. Definitely. There's another reason in there about uh, taxes and being European and stuff like that, but I, I won't go into that because we'll, we'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so, uh, I mean, we can go on forever, but we won't. Uh, we're going to kind of wrap it up. I want to know, do you have any general teaching tips for online teaching? Okay, I want to teach online. I want to put, whether it's videos in a course or, or anything of that sort, any general tips that you would just like to mention? Hey, keep this in mind. Yes, absolutely. Um, there is really number one, um, and this is this is in a in a talk that I give sometimes. It's called uh, basically introduction to online courses. You know how to teach online. The first image that I put in there is: Have you seen the film The Life of Brian? I have not. Okay. Oh my god! I, did, the I life don't know of why. Brian? So, so the first thing I put in there is like this in joke that nobody gets. It's a Monty Python film which is a parody on Jesus, but there's this guy called Brian who's born at the same time as Jesus, um, goes through life just wanting to be left alone, but everybody thinks he's the Messiah. (laughs) 
Okay. It's it's very funny. Um, and there's this little scene where uh, Brian goes home to his mother, and all of his disciples follow him, and they go, "Oh my God, here's the here's the holy shoe. He wore this shoe." And his mother opens the window, played by a man as well, because it's Britain in the seventies. I don't know. Um, opens the window and shouts, "He's not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy." <laughs> And I put that in there at the start of my talks because sometimes people think online courses are the messiah. Hmm. Sometimes they think all their problems will be solved. And well, also personality and all that, I suppose. But, it, you know, it's sometimes people think all their problems will be solved once they build the first online course. And you and I know it's not like that, right? Nope. It's a process. It's an ever ongoing journey. And we're never really there. Um, so you ever are developing and an online course is a part of your development and has to be learned how to do it and has to be very well planned. So I often work with people who have made an online course that now isn't really selling as well as they thought or they see really low completion rates and people just fall off and whatever. Um, and don't stay in touch. Don't do the exercises. Why is this happening, etc. So I work with people on improving their courses as such. And so I, that was kind of my first piece of advice. Like, just be aware. Even though online courses are having a bit of a moment, they're not gonna. They're not quite the messiah. Got it. But it's undeniable that online education is totally here to stay. So point number two: be aware. Video courses are not your only options. You can do a video course. You can, but you can write a book, and that is also educating. You can coach and deliver knowledge and deliver your experience and that is also educating so I'm a big fan of doing things like hybrid courses where I pre-deliver some content but I've got a significant amount of excuse me for a second <coughs> superwoman um, <laughs> got a significant amount of live content in there as well in order to kind of check that people have understood it and kind of guide people to that point where you know, like where they're ready to take on mm. the next aspect of what they're doing. Got it. Um, and everybody learns at a different speed, etc. So, you know, there's a lot of assumptions that you can make. Um, and finally, you know, don't discount one-to-one -one teaching. It can, you know, I don't teach a language one-to-one -one very much right now, but it, it served me really well. And I think there is way more to online education than sort of after-school tutoring. Um, and even that is like a really good living awesome. so be you know kind of work out how you want to teach Got and it. then just kind of go for it <laughs> love it love it now you have some uh, resources available and i would love for you to share them with my audience okay <laughs> yes well i've got um i've built basically i've built you a little like landing page i am in the process of changing over because i think this is the, the podcast where we talk shop right so yep. um i am in the process of changing over my email provider which means uh, um, this is, I think everything works. Um, but I've put in a little note in there as well, where if you want to send me a direct email, if you are currently building an online course, if you're looking for a little bit of advice, looking for a little bit of feedback, if you want to work with me on a launch plan, etc., you can just email me directly. And the website where you can get all the good stuff and get to know me more is fluentlanguage.co.uk, which is where I do everything, mm -hmm. slash become a blogger. Oh, yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's going to be a new email course um, uh, designed to help you get clarity on goals, roadblocks, and market fit. That's correct, right? 
That's right, exactly. So you you sign up there and you automatically kind of get an email where or get a few emails where I kind of guide you through the idea of what you want your business vision to be like really and then the kind of typical roadblocks that a lot of you know prospective online experts online teachers run into um things like overestimating or just doing your maths wrong really kind mm-hmm. of going okay I've got three classes now so all I need and that's earning me this much so all I need is 10 times that and then you forget <laughs> that 10 times that is 10 times that time yep. and it's too it's too exhausting and that's never going to work um so be aware of a few pitfalls and I'll email I'll email you so you kind of in that email course work through those um and finally talk about how to figure out your market fit there's a really amazing tool that is in this um in this email course that I'm, I love sharing with people. Awesome. And please, please send me feedback. I love hearing from people. Most definitely. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for uh, coming on here and delivering so much value. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Hey, guys, I hope you, I know you got a lot of value from that. And of course, the show notes will be at becomeablogger.com slash 259. I want to talk to you a little bit more. I mean, first of all, make sure to check out that URL, fluentlanguage.co.uk slash become a blogger. Next week, we have an exciting episode coming up. I'm going to be talking about advanced YouTube marketing strategies for bloggers. So here are some of the things I'm going to share. I'm going to share how to take your YouTube channel from good to great. I'm going to share what I learned from a phone call with someone at YouTube. And then some features of YouTube that can increase your exposure. I know you're going to find a lot of value in that. So make sure to come back next Wednesday. Uh, to, 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 to get that episode. This was episode 259. Becomeablogger.com slash 259. If you missed anything, it will be there. And hey, if you know someone that would benefit from this episode, maybe they want to teach online. Maybe they want to do something awesome. Share it with them. Tell them to go to becomeablogger.com slash podcast to find this episode and all of the other episodes of this podcast and they can even subscribe. And then, if you're trying to get started, you want a free course to help you, freebloggingvideos.com and then bloggercoaching.com for the coaching club. I know you're going to love it. This is Leslie Sama here from becomeablogger.com where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless. Three, four.